Hi, and welcome back to the Fitness Fee Podcast. I've got guest Annie with me today, uh, and we are going to be talking all about the menopause, perimenopause, and myths surrounding it. So hi, Annie. Would you like to introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about you. I will indeed. Hello. Hi, everyone. Um, Thank you for having me. Um, This is exciting. Um, We're actually starting our own podcast, but we've been a bit, um, we've been a bit lax with it. So it's nice to be kind of um, rejigged again back on someone else's. Um, (laughs) But yeah, no, so I'm Annie. I'm a um, certified nutritionist specializing in the menopause. Um, And I essentially coach women all over the world now. Um, uh, women that are either in surgical menopause or perimenopause and essentially are really just kind of struggling and don't have that support because you know it's a almost still a taboo subject um, and kind of step by step trying to break that down um, and kind of open up the conversation I suppose. Yeah, brilliant. So where uh, can people find you, first of all, if they're looking for you um, on Instagram or? Yep. So you can find me, my Instagram handle and my TikTok handle are at A Ellis Nutrition. So that's A-E-L-L-I-S Nutrition. Um, That's where you can find me, essentially. Okay, cool. Brilliant. I shall uh, link that in the bottom of the podcast as well. Okay, so if we're going to dive right in, I have made some notes. Obviously, um I am perimenopause myself um I have my own complications because of having had breast cancer I mm-hmm. they won't let's say allow would like me not to have HRT um but there are other options so I'm going to throw some myths at you and then we can uh, maybe debunk some of them or find out what uh how true it is or not um, and the first one I'm going to start off with is that a lot of people assume that menopause automatically starts for every woman at the age of 50. Yeah, it's a big one. It's a big myth. <laughs> um, and I think that's part of the problem. And I, I hear it called um, like an like an old woman problem all the time. I see it all the time. Oh my God, that puts me in the old woman category. Yeah, it's so cruel. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's the average age is in your early fifties, right? That's menopause. But the distinction is there's several different stages of, of menopause, right? And I think that's important to clarify is that you have menopause and essentially that's just one day because it's the day where 12 months has elapsed um, since your last period. And obviously that's only going to be a day where you go, yeah, it's been 12 months. Okay. Menopause. Here we go. (laughs) That's just like, that's one day after that you're postmenopausal. And that's for the rest of your life. Right. Um, And then before that, the, the transition leading up to menopause, that's known as perimenopause. And that can last, um, over 10 years in some people um it can be less in others um and it can be debilitating for some and not debilitating for others but that's usually the time where you'll be noticing symptoms you might be noticing changes um to your menstrual cycle and the lengths of those um but yeah again like we we think that menopause is just this thing that happens at you know in our when we're 50 right like you said um but it's not, it's these symptoms are kind of showing themselves like for some people over a decade before they reach their fifties. And 
you know, then there's the cases that we have um, in terms of surgery and chemical menopause and, and cancer. Mm. Um, so if you're, you know, if you go through a hysterectomy, you're essentially immediately in menopause. So you bypass that sort of, I would, I'm not going to say soft transition because perimenopause isn't a soft transition for a lot of people, but that transition up to it, you bypass that and you go straight into menopause. Um, And that's often a very difficult time for a lot of women that go through that. Um, So yeah, there's that myth debunked. Um, (laughs) So there's obviously, um, which I think we tend to see a lot more these days. um, Well, I I definitely find it in my level of coaching that the the platforms that I coach against um, is that it can come before like the, what they class as early menopause now mm-hmm. yeah yeah so yeah that's that can be the same in terms of um in terms of the surgical menopause and things like that or um POI which is just o- like the ovarian insufficiency that can happen earlier and I think it's it's termed early menopause when it's before the age of um 45 yeah yeah um and I know some women going through it sort of in their mid thirties, mid to late thirties, but there's, there's cases of it. Um, cases that makes it sound so clinical. Um, <laughs> there's, you know, p- women going through it in their teens. Yeah. Um, and I think this is just one of the biggest things I see and possibly one of the reasons why we, we can't open up the conversation a lot is because of this myth that we think it's a, this old woman thing that just happens when you're 50 and anything before that, you need to just get a hold of yourself. Um, it's just so not true. Um, yeah, there are, it can happen in your thirties. It can happen earlier. Um, yeah. Okay. I've got another one for you. Mm -hmm. So obviously when most people, like you say, it's a lot of people still do class it as the old woman's syndrome. Um, and a lot of people probably assume that the only symptom you get when you get reach menopause, perimenopause is hot flushes. Mm-hmm. And yeah. And then they get led to believe that if they haven't had a hot flush, then there's basically nothing that can they can do or they're not in it. So we don't need to think about it. But actually, there's over like 30 symptoms of menopause now, of perimenopause. Um, and they literally, because there's estrogen receptors, all over your body they're in your brain they're in your gut they're in your skin hence the um the hot flashes that you'll see they're all over you literally get symptoms widespread so yes okay you get the hot flashes and night sweats that might that's usually quite a common one that comes up but not for everyone um you have you know things like changes to your cognition so brain fog you know you you might literally be forgetting how to finish your sentence everything just kind of feels a bit erratic and like literally you've got a cloud over your brain um you've got things like anxiety and depression so that's kind of a a risk time for women is in perimenopause for depression and anxiety which is often getting missed you know diagnosed mistreated and then they get sent away with antidepressants yeah that's what I that's what I got offered when I went to the doctors they were like I'll just have some antidepressants you'll be fine yeah same with some of my clients and you know I to turn around and said no you go back and you say like here's what I'm experiencing I believe I'm perimenopausal and there's some there's some cracking guides on um the menopause doctors Instagram 
for how to approach that conversation with your GP. But, you know, if we're talking about anxiety and depression in terms of perimenopause, then the first line treatment for that is actually HRT um, because it's stemming from a deficiency in estrogen, right? Um, And so replacing that seems like the logical way to go rather than, you know, here's some antidepressants off your chart. Um, But yeah, that's again, one of the things, then you've got joint aches and pains. Um, That's another common one, which can completely like hamper your movement and your exercise and things like that. Um, All sorts of things. But if you download um, an app on the app store called the balance app, Mm. that will take you through all of the symptoms and you can track those symptoms, which is a great thing to be doing. If you want to have a conversation with your GP that actually gets you, um, to a solution that you're you know happy with and will actually help then that's a great thing to start doing um and that's got all of the symptoms and a period tracker on there as well so yeah i i encourage you to to go get that if you suspect that you yeah, might the, the balance up. app is brilliant it's really good i recommend it to all my clients that say that they think they may be like perimenopause i just say mm-hmm. go there and then then like you say you've got evidence to take to your doctor and say well actually uh, you know it's not depression and anxiety here are all these other symptoms mm-hmm. that I'm experiencing as well because there yeah. was I actually read somewhere that there was like oh, now they've actually said that there's an almost over 50 different symptoms oh, yeah it's yeah. crazy isn't it because do, people do just assume well it's it's hot flushes or, or night sweats um and, and like the brain fog tend to be like the most common ones um but there's there, there are so many and I'm going to go straight into the next one which is uh, it's another big one, which I think people tend to forget about is the uh, how it affects your sex life as well. Oh gosh, yeah. Yeah, and that's the thing as well, is it's not just estrogen that's playing a role in, you know, what's going on for you in the menopause transition. It's um, other hormones as well. So we've got progesterone, we've got estrogen, and we've got testosterone, which is one that's obviously labeled as the male hormone. Um, but women have it in smaller amounts, but still significant amounts that when we start losing it, we can see problems with, um, with our, you know, sex life as well. And libido is a big, big one. Um, and I think it's something that women don't, don't think that they can get help with, um, the problem with testosterone. So testosterone is usually the only, um, they'll only prescribe it if you are noticing libido symptoms. They'll only subscribe it for that, prescribe, sorry. Um, But, you know, you've also kind of got low energy that could be a result of testosterone, um, kind of your levels of testosterone changing. Um, And that's a big thing. I think most women think it's something to do with estrogen and estrogen only, Um, but there's so much more going on and there's so much more at play. Um, Then you have symptoms like vaginal dryness um, and you can get localized um, estrogen for that which helps you know in that area um, which is you just insert and that's how it releases it sometimes comes in the form of a pessary or a cream Um, but yeah that plays into libido as well because obviously if you're dry down there like that yeah uncomfortable uncomfortable, um, painful sex yeah not not the way not the way forward so um yeah, that's also kind of a big thing that you can track on the balance app as well. Um, but yeah, I think it's often overlooked about the roles that other hormones play aside from estrogen. 
but testosterone is a big player in libido um so that because yeah, obviously that can have a massive impact on, on other things like your emotional impacts as well and in fact it, the the impact it could have on the relationship with your partner or your mm -hmm. husband or whoever you're with uh, and that could then have another knock-on effect as well so it's all these Understand. like these little symptoms that add up that can yeah. affect like you know result in your mood your yeah. emotions how you're feeling yeah and and you might be literally feeling like there is something wrong with you and it can be very hard to communicate that with a partner that you know isn't doesn't isn't going through the same thing you know um especially when they've got testosterone for days <laughs> um but yeah like and that's like a, a really difficult conversation to have but I know um Davina McCall's um documentary if you haven't watched it watching that with a partner can really help like them to understand what's going on for you because I know they mentioned testosterone in the last one they did I think um but that's something I see a lot of is their partner's just not understanding what's going on and they think oh they've gone off them type of thing but there's so much going on um for you right now if you're in this time um and yeah it can be super difficult when you can't communicate that so that's a really good way to kind of get that across but also like go to your GP and and get help it is a bit like a postcode lottery with testosterone at the minute and there are shortages as well so it's a pain in the ass um for a lot of people at the minute but that doesn't mean you're not entitled to it um so go and explore that option as well because that might be your missing puzzle piece if you are on HRT and you are in that but you're still feeling you know low mood low energy you've you've not got that sex drive back yet that could be your missing link um as well so i do encourage people to yeah that's great yeah. great advice okay another another one which uh came up which i did did make me laugh out loud actually which was um that you can't once you're in the menopause in it in it menopause um that you can't get pregnant yeah well that's not true I do you know what who kind of I saw this not that long ago I saw it on a forum that I'm part of and someone said that they thought they had ridiculous bloating um and they thought it was down to their perimenopausal symptoms right um <clears throat> and it turns out they actually went to the doctor and they were pregnant um <sighs> and uh, everyone was just like oh my gosh um but yeah not no not true oh um my God. yeah I suppose yeah, because if you if you've got irregular periods which I know for for me is mine are like all over I can go like down to 17 day periods and then I can have that for a couple of months mm. and then it can literally go to like 50 odd days before the next one so I can imagine some women would be thinking well if I'm you know obviously I'm clearly like Mm -hmm. not in not in that time frame not able to have babies anymore to produce uh uh to ovulate so therefore I'm, I'm not at risk of getting pregnant and just not yeah. take any protection yeah and, but even I I mean I did read because I researched this and you can they do advise you to even even after you are officially in the menopause they still advise you to use protection for over 12 months mm -hmm. after that period, because there still is a chance that you could get pregnant. A hundred percent. Yeah. And it, I, you know, I see it all the time as well. So people will say, right, I think I'm nearly at the menopause. I, like 
oh, I thought I was nearly at the menopause. I got to 11 months and like 20 days and then I had a period again. So it's like, you can be going extreme lengths of time. Like, you know, it's not like you just stop having periods and then there's 12 months and then you're like, okay, cool. I'm in, I'm in the menopause now. It's, it could be like, you have a 10 month break and then you have an 11 month break and then it might be a little bit longer. And then, and then you get to the year, but that that's incredible amounts of time where you might be thinking, yeah, I'm not producing or I'm not fertile anymore. Um, and actually you are. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. That'd be a shock for when you're in your fifties. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Okay, this one's a real big one because um, this is what everybody thinks, that menopause, perimenopause causes weight gain. It is the one number one reason why you are gaining weight in your, let's say, I'm not going to say later age of life because it's, it's like mid, let's call it mid. Midlife, <laughs> midlife. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, no. <laughs> um, so menopause is associated with weight gain and I think there's there's a distinction to be made between like association and causation so because something is associated with something it doesn't mean that it causes it it's just um at that time you know a lot of women experience weight gain um, and that's been picked up in the research and you know, it's not the case that menopause causes weight gain or it's your hormones causing weight gain. But what is going on um, is usually, so in the research, it actually suggests that, you know, a lot of the weight gain noticed at, at this time of life and in midlife and in perimenopause is actually a result of a more sedentary lifestyle than it is anything to do with hormones. Um, but that's, all well and good saying oh yeah um your sedentary lifestyle is causing this not your menopause but there's a lot going on in menopause that could be contributing to you not wanting to move a lot anymore mm. you not wanting to maintain an exercise well, not wanting to but it being really difficult to maintain an exercise regime or stick to your healthy habits or nutrition habits there's a lot going on in perimenopause and menopause that can be affecting that um so it's not the case that menopause is inevitable, like inevitably going to lead to weight gain. But there's a lot going on at that time which can, can contribute to a gain in weight. Um, so if you're experiencing low mood and joint pains and your energy has taken an absolute nosedive, um, then, you know, there's going to be your, there's, your consistency and your motivation is going to take an absolute dip. So... That's what's going on. Um, and I, I think that's what a lot of people get wrong is that they've they've hit menopause and yes, this, this weight has come out of nowhere. And it might seem that way, absolutely might. Um, but it's not that menopause is causing that, but there's a whole host of things going on for you that might be going on for you that kind of a secondary having, um, having an impact there. The one thing that you do notice and that, is because of menopause and estrogen and hormones is the redistribution of fat yes. so you you will notice um what's coined or termed the meno belly or the menopause belly so we essentially when as estrogen declines we get a shift in our body fat stores from our sort of glutes and legs to our midsection and so you might literally 
um, people will think, Jesus, I've just developed this spare tire out of, of nowhere, for want of a better term, but that's what they, they would say. Um, and that is that is because of um, of declining estrogen. So you will notice that your body starts storing um, more fat in your midsection. And that is what drives the um, sort of health outcomes of menopause. So when we get that midsection fat or the visceral fat around your organs, that contributes to um, things like metabolic syndrome and the increases in sort of coronary heart disease in women of that age. And that's where the health, the health complications come from is as a result of that redistribution of fat as well, which is also why it can be quite important to maintain a, a healthy weight going into this time. Um, yeah, it's, it's not, it, I mean, you can like, it's not something that you can physically stop. And for some women, it's obviously probably more evident than other women. So, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously with all of these things, you know, not any two women are never the same. Like yep. some people might, or some women may breeze through it. Some are going to really struggle. Um, so while some women may feel that the shift of body fat is much more obvious to them more than other women, they might not feel that they have much, but it is, it's just your body's way of um, trying to uh, support that down trend in the lower um levels of hormones and this is it your body's automatic way of, of supporting the body while this happens yeah. so it's not something that you can avoid and obviously like you say you can do things to reduce it uh, but you can't physically like stop it change, in change, yeah yeah precisely um <clears throat> of course it you know you'll be noticing this redistribution as well and that might have you feeling like you're not making any progress anymore or everything just feels like nothing's working anymore um and that might be because you know you are noticing this change in stores and where we automatically would usually kind of measure our body fat by Mm. looking at our stomachs now that's just got a whole lot more complicated right Mm. um but yeah that is that that's kind of like the the overview of what's going on there in terms of weight and menopause yeah yeah okay another one i've got for you is obviously it's a big one there's obviously a lot of evidence around this and it's one of the the main i know with the davina mccall and the dr louise newson is about the about hrt and there has been a lot of bad press around it um based on a study from a long time ago that and one of the main reasons a lot of women chose not to take HRT was because it was uh, linked through a, a research paper to breast cancer. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think when the paper came out, there was a decline of, of and a horrendous amount of uh, percentage of women automatically stopped taking it uh, because of this research paper. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a great... Um... Um, the menopause doctor posted it not that long ago about um, understanding the risks of of breast cancer and there's a schematic of it on on google um <clears throat> and it helps in in terms of understanding what what we're talking about when we we look at, at breast cancer risks um I'll try, i'm trying to remember it but it'll come to me in a minute but yeah like that was a, a study that was done um you know a long time ago now and actually has been found to be completely flawed but that was what we based you know 
a lot of our decisions on when it came to HRT and that's where a lot of the misunderstanding like misinformation and misunderstanding comes from in sort of in the medical world now still and it's like we we still having to clear like clear out all of that misinformation um in the in the medical like in the medical community let, let alone in the general population um but yeah Davina McCall's first um menopause documentary kind of really sort of went like went in on that one yeah um and yeah I'm seeing it a lot more where women are saying no like uh, or pointing out to others on social media that you know that information is is outdated and you know inaccurate and erroneous now so you know still go to your GP and you know look to get um HRT um but yeah that's um just not necessarily the case anymore I think it was something like there's I think it broke it down on this um breast cancer schematic but there's 23 cases in 23 cases of breast cancer diagnosed in the UK's general population there's like an additional four cases in women on combined hormone replacement therapy four fewer cases in women on estrogen only and then it's all and then an additional 24 cases in women who are overweight or obese so it really just kind of highlights the risks in comparison to everything else so in being overweight or obese or having a BMI greater than 30 or women that are current smokers or women who drink two or more units of alcohol a day and it's basically saying there's not much difference um in terms of the population normality kind of thing and then all of these other lifestyle factors um and everyone's just jumping on the bandwagon to to kind of demonize HRT when in actual fact it's really just kind of minuscule in comparison to all of these other things um and the the one thing to point out is there is a lot of different types of HRT yeah I was just gonna say so HRT is is an abbreviation for hormonal replacement treatment Mm -hmm. hormone replacement therapy yeah and there are different types of that so there are there's combined hormone replacement therapy so that's progesterone and estrogen there's estrogen only HRT there's um the localized one that I mentioned earlier for vaginal dryness like the um estrogen that you literally just apply um to your vagina that area um there's all sorts of different types um yeah, because it comes, you can have patches and yeah, gels. You've got patches, yeah. you've got different doses, you've got gels. Yeah, you've got all sorts. Um, so yeah, there's a lot going on. It's not just like, I think HRT just kind of got branded as this one thing that causes breast cancer. Um, and actually there's a host of different types of it that all can contribute differently to those risks and in a much smaller way than we we, we once thought it did um but yeah I I I definitely so if you didn't if I mean like obviously HRT is not the only option Mm -hmm. because um you know it is down to a personal choice and it doesn't always work for everybody because either dosage or you know some some people suffer more side effects from taking the the uh, drugs more than the side effects that they had originally um so if somebody decided they didn't want to do go down the HRT option what other 
options or more natural things could they look towards? Yeah, so, I mean, obviously there's kind of lifestyle factors involved in sort of everything that's going on as well. But I mean, it depends exactly where you are in your journey and what you're experiencing, right? Because if, if say, for example, you're experiencing anxiety, and obviously this isn't medical advice, but there are other you know, treatments out there besides HRT. So you might be recommended therapy or, you know, things like that in terms of the medical kind of perspective. But in, in terms of, you know, other, relieving other symptoms, there are things that you can do um, or things that you can not include in your lifestyle, I suppose. So when we're talking about um, hot flashes, there's quite a lot of triggers um, for hot flashes like um, caffeine, alcohol, especially red wine, um, <clears throat> stress, um, you know, even just spicy food and hot beverages can trigger a hot flash. Mm. But um, there's some really cool research now that um, shows that self-compassion. So in other words, kind of treating yourself like you would a best friend in these situations can reduce the effect that um, hot flashes have an impact to your daily life. So just the way that you speak to yourself when this happens, so rather than like, for example, being like, oh, God, here we go again. Like, um, I'm, I'm so useless. Like I'm, I'm having another hot flash, like, like kind of talk like that and just kind of being kind to yourself in those moments has actually been shown to reduce the effect that those symptoms have. So there's so many things that you can do um, <clears throat> in terms of, nutrition and and lifestyle and even the way you you talk to yourself um it's crazy um yeah I suppose Amy for more of like a, a more holistic yeah sort of lifestyle more balanced diet and like mm-hmm. you say being you know maybe things like meditation and yoga and just like mm-hmm. accepting that you know you are getting older and maybe you don't need to be you know quite as at it all the time that you know it is time to like start to chill out and take more time for yourself 100% and one of the biggest things that I do in my coaching is helping women that have never like for a very long time haven't given themselves the attention that they need or prioritize themselves or you know they're big people pleasers and it's that kind of comes at the detriment to their own well-being right Um, and that's some of the things that I work on them with in coaching um I think it's also important to point out that HRT isn't necessarily an option for some women that are going through surgical menopause like that for for those women in that case it's more like a lifeline um but yes for a lot of other women it is a personal choice um but you know I would definitely encourage you to really kind of fill your feed with you know evidence-based um accounts like the menopause doctor and doctors in that space um it's quite hard now because there are people that are just doctors on tiktok and instagram yeah. that are pushing <laughs> yeah, all you sorts you can of buy like a doctorage from google these days i'm sure yeah. you can. Uh, gosh but yeah, yeah i know um, it's that but yeah i always like you know uh anybody that i talk to anybody um that tells me they think they might may be experiencing menopause symptoms perimenopause I always like just send them straight to Dr Newsom because yeah. his website is just an amazing source of uh information yeah uh, and there's loads of research on there as well if you mm-hmm. are you know if you're not 100% sure of of the options that you want to take 
Yeah. Uh, do you have any other myths that you really wanted to chat about? There's so, there's so, so many. Busy. I know, I know. I was just trying to like grab like the top few. Yeah. No. I mean, there's. We've kind of covered the real kind of overriding basics of of menopause myths. Essentially, um, they go so nuanced and just kind of crazy in terms of like nutrition as well I mean there's a lot of nutrition quack in in the fitness space in general but menopause is like a whole new level um but I think the important thing to remember is that like you said before strategies to support yourself they're going to look different for every person so in terms of training you might kind of want to scale back training or plan more you know rest days or more deloads or change exercises based on comfort you know I've got a lot of women that whose periods are now really really heavy um since perimenopause and unpredictable and it's very uncomfortable for them down there and there's a lot of pain so being on an exercise bike or in spin class isn't kind of the best way for them to go so modifying exercises in that respect um but there might be nutritional changes for I don't know like um, hunger you might experience more hunger at this time because estrogen plays a massive role in appetite regulation as well um, you might be hungrier because you're you've got sleep disturbances or you might have noticed that your emotional eating has increased there's all of these different things that I may or may not work on with a client depending on where what their experience of menopause is but again it's individualized so mm. wherever you are in social media there is no such thing as you know, a menopause training plan or a menopause diet plan yeah. because everything is so individualized. Um, there isn't an, there's no real evidence-based specific way of doing things. It's again, just meeting the individual where they're at. <clears throat> and I think, you know, in terms of kind of spotting nutrition or menopause myths for yourself when you're on social media, this is a big one that I usually teach my clients when they join with me is you know they'll usually be telling you to eliminate single food groups which are responsible for I don't know something in menopause some disease in menopause that they're talking about and it's usually something to do with sugar gluten dairy or they're talking about toxins and chemicals and just scaremongering um or blaming specific foods and it, you know it's just not the case I think often they can make very bold claims that don't really link to any real human outcomes in terms of research um or often they'll link to some erroneous study somewhere yeah. um, but that's kind of how to arm yourself with a little bit of um not distrust but just and not really skepticism but just being critical of of everything that you consume and making sure that you're getting your information from you know, solid sources like um, Louise Newsom and, and things like that. Um, yeah, there's a lot of um, a lot of myths out there, and we'd be on the call for another. <laughs> yeah, we could hour probably do if a, I was a whole another podcast on it. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, yeah. I think we've done. Uh, we've covered quite a lot of bases today, and hopefully that will help uh, some women out there. Um, I will um, obviously link your Insta um in the podcast but i'll um i'll ch ch find that google somatic and we can put that in as well yes yes and I'll, um, I'll put a link in for the davina mccall programs are very good and like you say it's a good way to watch it with your partner mm -hmm. um just so that they can 
they can get a little bit of insight because I know it can be difficult for men as well because they're obviously you know like if you're moody or you know you don't you don't want them anywhere near you or stuff they might not understand what's going on so for them to be able to maybe understand as well yeah. uh, it can obviously help a lot yeah. tell them it's PMS times a thousand and they <laughs> might get <laughs> yeah Oh, gosh. But, okay yeah. well thank yeah. you very much for coming along it's been oh, wonderful pleasure. to speak to you yeah, likewise and um yeah i will put all those links in and we'll uh, catch up soon awesome thank you so much for having me okay thank you thank you bye bye